Wednesday, everybody. How you doing? Angela Bowen here, the host of Looking Back on My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast where I have covered all six seasons of the Wonder Years and I am now currently covering the new Wonder Years from 2021. I'm currently covering season one of the show. If you're looking to be able to listen to all six seasons of the original Wonder Years, I recommend going to SoundCloud. That way you can start from the beginning. Unfortunately, iTunes, for whatever reason, only holds so many podcast episodes. So a lot of the Wonder Years seasons I've done, mainly one through four, are just not there anymore. Which stinks, because that's the majority of the the show (laughs) there. So yeah, check out iTunes. You'll also find episodes uh, that I've done over the past almost five years now of Mr. Belvedere, some of Elf, the first four or five episodes of the show American Dreams, some of Everwood. And also, I'm currently covering the monthly podcast, Small Wonder. I'm currently in at the halfway point in season two. It's t- it t- usually has, it took me two years to get through season one because I only do an episode a month there's like 24 episodes per season and then yeah season two will conclude at the end of 2022 and then season three and four well I'm just gonna have to go with the copies that I scrounged up on YouTube that they're not the best quality but I said I was gonna cover every episode of Small Wonder and I meant it because I am fully invested So, yeah, all right. So, today I'm changing things up a bit. Here's what I'm doing. For the week of Christmas, I'm covering Season 1, Episode 9, entitled Home for Christmas. This episode aired December 1st, 2021. In this episode, Dean can't wait to spend the to spend Christmas with his older brother, Bruce, when he returns home from Vietnam. Bruce struggles to adjust to life back in Montgomery. The rest of the family rely on their favorite holiday traditions to bring cheer. So, you may be wondering, well, wait a second. You didn't do episode 8. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I, I've i been kind of doing a Wonder Years overload. And I, I don't want to overwhelm you all. Um, also, with other... You know, podcast projects and stuff. I what I'm doing is I wanted to get that Christmas episode out for the week of Christmas. So that's kind of why I did this to begin with. It did a lot, you know, week to week to week uh, for like the last month. And I'm going to do episode eight science fair. I'm going to actually do that. I'm going to do that actually in January because right now they're working on filming episodes 
we do actually finally have a title. Well, they do have a title for episode 10 entitled Lads and Ladies and Us, which will air January 5th, 2022. Uh, there's also a title for a couple other episodes. Season 1, episode 11, Brad Mitzvah, where Dean's friend Brad has his bar mitzvah. There's also I'm with the band episode 12 and then we also have unnamed episodes 13 through 22. So the initial show was you know they filmed nine episodes. That was the initial that was how it was going to go until they found out they got picked up for a full 22 episodes. So what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to dial it back a bit and I will get to season one, episode eight, Science Fair. I'm going, I honestly, I'll either do it the last week in December or in January. But for 2022, I don't really see the rest of the season constantly going every single week. So I'm just going to kind of play it by ear, maybe get an episode or two out a month. We'll see. We'll just kind of see how their schedule goes and how I want to do it as well. So, I mean, if I'm doing episodes in the summertime, even after uh, season one has wrapped up and aired on television, if we get picked up for a season two, which I'm hoping the show does, then that way that will kind of give us something to kind of pace ourselves for the, you know, give us something to look forward to for the next season. So I don't want to rush through these. I only kind of did it, like I said, because I wanted to get to that Christmas episode. So, yeah. So let's look at Home for Christmas. Now we know that the Wonder Years has at least, the original Wonder Years has four Christmas episodes. There's one in season one, there's one in season four, there's one in season five, and season six, which mind you, I need to watch season five and six's Christmas episode. I watched the first two. It's always tradition right after Thanksgiving and December hits. Boom, I'm watching the Wonder Years for Christmas episodes. And of course, in November, the Thanksgiving episode. So, let's go back here. Here we go. This episode's got an 8.0 out of 10 based on 60 ratings. I actually, let's look at the previous episode. 6.9 for Science Fair. The episode I just uploaded, Independence Day, was episode 7. That got a 7.7. We got a 7.0 for Be Prepared. 7.4 for The Lock-In. 7.7 for The Workplace. 7.7 for The Club. Green Eyed Monsters, 7.3, and then a 7.1 for the pilot episode. So it's interesting how a lot of the episodes going forward are actually more in rating-wise over the pilot, which I thought the pilot was good. I just felt like with a few more episodes, we could kind of, you know, get the to know the characters a little more, get them a little fleshed out more and everything like that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it honestly looks like the weakest episode, and not by much, by like a point, is the Science Fair episode with a 6.9. Everything else is 7 point and above. So, 
And the fact that the highest episode is, in fact, Home for Christmas, that's that's good. But then again, I mean, you're drawn to the Christmas stuff in December. That's just how it is, you know. You're not going to watch Christmas. So, well, maybe you do. How many of you, raise your hands, watch Home Alone outside of December? Outside of the month of December? I always wait for December. I just, I don't know why, but I'm just, that's how I do it. Christmas is in Christmas. Any Thanksgiving stuff is in November. Halloween scary movies, that's kind of a draw. I tend to hold off a lot until October for the scary stuff, just because I like the spooky atmosphere. So, okay, this episode was directed by Fred Savage, right, and writers Saladin, Kay Patterson, Neil Marlins, and Carol Black, who... This series is based on the original series they created. Bob Daly and Imberia. Uh, I feel horrible. I want to know what her name is because I feel horrible for just messing it up completely. Other writers for this episode include Yale, Y-A-E-L. I'm sure I mispronounced that uh, person's name. Galena Yamin. Another name. I gotta find out how to pronounce these names. Siegel. Staff writers. Uh, Imberia is a story editor and Bob Daly wrote the episode. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Let's see if there's any trivia for this episode. And there is not. I'm not even seeing a user review for the episode either. But... All right, of course, before I get into the episode, I want to let you wonder newbies know where you can find the podcast to follow along on social media. It has a Facebook page. Just go to Looking Back on My Wonder Years Podcast, or simple enough, just type in Wonder Years Podcast. The Looking Back on My Wonder Years Podcast will pop up. That way you can follow along with what episodes that I am currently working on. Also, the Wonder Years Boy Meets World podcast on Instagram which I'm thinking of just changing that back to the Wonder Years because I haven't done Boy Meets World episodes in a quite a while. That was another venture, podcast venture that kind of fizzled out for the time being. I'm not saying I won't get to doing that again but right now as I've said Full House, the Fuller House Full House podcast is my main priority at least until I finish that and wrap that up probably in a couple years or more so yeah all right also if you'd like to email the podcast i want to hear your thoughts about these episodes what do you think of the new show you can send uh email to lbom wonder years podcast at gmail.com also if you'd like to support the podcast you can leave a review on itunes just type in wonder years podcast the looking back at my wonder years podcast will pop up Scroll down to where it says leave a review and leave a review. All five-star reviews help the podcast get noticed by other Wonder Years new and old fans like yourselves. Also, you can have fun with it. Use emojis to describe characters from the original Wonder Years or the new Wonder Years. I'd love to try to figure out which character you're describing with the emojis. So... All right, let's get into Home for Christmas and finally meet the eldest Williams child, firstborn son, Bruce. 
All right. I love how this episode opens. We see the fireplace. We see the stockings on the mantle for mom, dad, Bruce, Kim, and Dean. We see... (laughs) We see Kim and... Kim and Lillian are decorating the Christmas tree. However, Lillian's not too impressed with how Kim is just throwing the tinsel on in clumps. So Lillian takes it from her and is like, no, 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 no. That's not how we do it. We take it one strand at a time. Yeah. And she's like, all right, come on, Kim, hurry up. They're going to be here any minute. So it looks like Bill is going to be bringing Bruce home. He's on. He's on leave from Vietnam right now. And so far, we haven't met Bruce yet. We've seen his pictures. We saw a flashback from one from four years earlier where he probably was like 14. So this is just great. I love that they decided to use Christmas as a great time to bring the eldest Williams child home. Well, I shouldn't say child because he's not a kid. He's a grown man. He's 18. Dean, of course, is wrapping his brother's gift. He's wrapping Bruce's gift. And you can see it, even though it's wrapped. I mean, you know what it is. And Dean even says, I hope he likes the telescope I got him. Which is interesting, because it feels like a, a kind of a throwback to my father's office at the end, and the beginning of the episode, where Jack is in the backyard looking through the telescope. And that's just, Kevin says that's his dad's way of kind of de-stressing at the end of a hard day, just kind of like looking into uh, the microscope viewfinder and just looking out at the sky, the stars, the galaxy, the planets and stuff, and just trying to find, you know, some calm and some peace. So yeah, Dean is like, hey, I'm finally finished wrapping Bruce's gift. It's a telescope. Do you think he'll like it? And Kim's like, really? A telescope? I thought it was a sweater. So, yep, knock on the door. It's Bill bringing in Bruce. And, of course, adult Dean narrates how two years ago the Williams family was torn apart. And now they're made whole again by Bruce being home. Okay, so it turns out Bruce isn't just on leave. He finished his tour in Vietnam, so it looks like he's home for good. Okay. It'll be interesting to see him try to integrate back into, you know, what his life was before, having been, you know, fighting over in Vietnam and just trying to get back into, you know, society and stuff. So, of course, yeah, it's been two years uh, since uh, Bruce was home, and he's like, excuse me, sir, have you seen my little brother, you know, Dean Williams? He is about this tall. And he, like, lowers his hand, like, down to Dean's, like, waist. Like, he was, he was pretty t- uh, small. I mean, if he's 12 there, then he had to have been, t- you know, 10 when the- his brother left for Vietnam. So Dean remarked on how, after two years, Bruce is looking a little different. I mean, two two years can really change a person. You know, they can grow in height. Things can happen. You know, not just physical changes, but, you know, mentally as well. 
Uh, he's saying, Dean's saying how Bruce is almost as tall as Kim now. And also how, you know, he Bruce left a teenager, but he's not a teenager anymore. He's a man. So now we're going to go to the dinner table and Bruce is just shoveling that place. It's probably been, it's been two years since he had a home-cooked meal. So everyone is watching Bruce just dive into this food. He's got such an appetite. And Bruce stops chewing on the chicken there and he kind of looks up and sees everyone staring at him. He's like, what? What? <laughs> And it's like, oh, yeah, Bill's like, yeah, Dean says, oh, I've never seen anyone eat that fast before. Well, I can imagine. You don't got a lot of time to just be sitting and, you know, eating your food. So you got to, you know, be fast and everything. You probably don't have a set time limit. Like, you got to eat your lunch. You got to be here at this time. So you learn to take in as much as you can, basically, probably even inhaling your food, literally. Just to be able to eat. Like, you're inhaling it. You're not really enjoying it or tasting it. So, yeah. And even Bill says, you better be careful, son. You might swallow a button because he's eating so fast. And then Bill also mentions, we'll, we got, we'll talk later about you chipping in for the food, Bill. Because <laughs> Dean even says, Bruce had a man's appetite. Well, he he's a tall guy, you know. Teenagers. I imagine they eat a lot of food. Go through a lot of food. Yeah, even <laughs> Lillian's like, leave the boy alone. He probably just missed his mama's home cooking. I bet he did. I bet he did. He's probably, you know, eating rations for two years, you know. Whatever, you know, and I'm sure that food pales in comparison to sitting around a table and actually eating your food. Not inhaling it, but actually enjoying taking time to enjoy the flavor of the food and being around you know your family and everything like that and yeah bill gives bruce a beer well he's old enough to drink may as well right dean even mentions how they really don't eat in the dining room you know that table is reserved for holidays and you know when uh, lillian's mother comes over and lillian feels like she's got something to prove Okay, so Lillian kind of balks at this. <clears throat> she says, Bill, the boy is only 20. And Bill says, well, if the boy is old enough to fight for his country, he's old enough to have his first beer. He's like, alright, enjoy your first beer. I don't think that's his first beer. I'm sure he had something to drink over there. I love the look that Bruce and Bill share. Like, no, no, no. That is not his first beer. But we'll let mom keep on thinking that. Of course, Kim's like, oh, I'll have one too. It's like, uh, no, 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 Missy. You sit down. You are not having a drink. You're not having a beer. Okay, so right out off the bat, Lillian's asking what Bruce's plans are now that he's home. He fin he's finished with his tour in Vietnam. Um, and of course... Bill brings up, you know, basketball coach so-and-so was saying how there's, you know, there could even be, he put you on the team. He was going to do that before you left. There could even be a scholarship in it for you. Kim even brings up a Stop the War rally in, um, like, the University of Alabama. 
Bruce is not about that. He's like, yeah, so I can get spit on and booed at by teenagers who weren't there, who don't know what it was like. No, thank you. He says, yeah, so I can go there and be booed and spit on by a bunch of kids that have no idea what I've been through. And that just stops the conversation cold. Everyone just kind of looks at because they have no idea. They don't know what he's been through. So Bruce, like, Bruce says to Kim, like, all right, so my sister's an activist. You know, before I left, your last thing you were protesting was your curfew. And Bill says, yeah, those stupidest signs I've ever seen. He's probably talking about the handmade signs that the protesters are making. Bruce looks at Kim and says, well, I am proud of you. And then to answer Lillian's question, look, Mom, I'm just looking, going to look for a job. You know, just be happy that I'm home. Look for a job and look to make some money. So, yeah. He just served two years in Vietnam. I don't think he's ready to take on a full college class schedule. Like, he just walked in the door. Let's table some of these conversations for after the holidays. So, Dean adds, like, oh, don't forget, we still have a lot of work to do if we want to finish that treehouse by Christmas Eve. And, and Bill look, looks at Dean and asks, you still want to do it? And Dean's like, yeah, I mean, it's tradition, you know. I know I'm a little too old for that stuff, but it's tradition. So Dean, adult Dean, tells us that it's a tradition. They sleep out in the treehouse Christmas Eve and hoping to get a peek at Santa Claus. And Dean even uh, mentions about some improvements he wants to make, like maybe putting an observation deck on it. So that way they can gaze up at the stars and look at the stars. Yeah, cool idea. I love that he didn't let it slip. He got his brother and tell us, oh, by the way, I gotta get, oh, whoops. Nah, he didn't do that. And Bruce says, don't worry. We'll get it done. We'll get it taken care of. Oh, he says, I promise we'll get it done. Okay, great. Of course, Kim's got to add her commentary here. She's like, yeah, that sounds like the perfect uh, activity. The perfect Christmas activity. Sleeping out in the cold on rotten wood. Sleeping outside in the cold on rotten wood. Ugh, well... I don't, I mean, it's, gosh, what was it, like, 39 here, um, this morning? It's currently, oh, it's 50 and sunny, but it feels like 48, okay. Okay, so, Bill says, you know, I slept in trees, you know, in Vietnam that didn't have houses. So, Dean's like, great, so when, uh, that way you can move out of my room and sleep up in the treehouse. Oh, jeez. I didn't know they shared a room, but I kind of figured, well, they must have. The whole family erupts in laughter. Like, <laughs> where's my little brother? I already love Bruce and Dean's brotherly relationship. And I like the fact that with this show, it looks like we're going to be seeing more of Bruce. Hopefully seeing more of Bruce so we can see just how he deals with getting back into living in society after serving two years in Vietnam. I mean, we didn't get to see that with Bor. We got to see that in, like, 
a 24 minute episode of just a couple things you know him reacting to loud noises and stuff like that and just so it's I like that we're gonna explore that possible PTSD so I think maybe you know just stuff like that and that was a cold open be clumping that tinsel. I'm not. I'm just putting it on in little bunches. Mm -hmm. That's the definition of clumping. See, just just one strand at a time. And hurry up. He'll be here any minute. I need everything to be perfect. Finally finished wrapping his present. You think you'll like it? It's a telescope. Really? We thought it was a sweater. He's here. Look who I found. <laughs> Two years ago, the Williams family was ripped apart. Tonight, we were made whole again. My brother Bruce finished his tour of duty in Vietnam, and he was coming home. Just in time for Christmas. Uh, excuse me, sir. Have you seen Dean Williams? He's my little brother about this dog. <laughs> it's good to see you, I didn't expect him to look so different. Maybe it was the uniform. Or maybe it was just that two years had passed since I'd seen him. Whatever the reason, Bruce was not the same teenager who left this house. He was a man. I mean, he was almost as tall as Kim. And he definitely had a man's appetite. Whoa! I've never seen anyone eat so fast. Don't get that sleeve too close to your mouth, son. You might swallow a button. <laughs> Let the boy eat. He obviously missed his mama's cooking. We could talk later about you chipping in on the grocery bill. Okay. <laughs> in our family, eating in the dining room was reserved for special occasions, like holidays, or when grandma came over and mama had something to prove. Even more rare, my dad giving my brother a beer. Bill, the boy's only 20. If he's old enough to fight for his country, he's old enough to drink. Well, I guess you're right. Enjoy your first beer. I think I'll have one, too. <laughs> Sit. You're not ready for your first beer. I saw that. So, now that you're home, any plans for your future? The coach at Bama State was down to have you on the team before you went off to war. You should reach out. Might be a scholarship in it for you. Speaking of Alabama State, there's a Stop the War rally there tomorrow. You should come with me. So I can get booed and spit on by a bunch of kids who have no idea what I've been through? <clears throat> so uh, my sister's an activist now. Last thing I remember you protesting was your curfew. <laughs> <laughs> Stupidest signs i ever seen. <laughs> well, I am proud of you. And Mom, I'm just looking to settle in. Get a job, make a little money. Don't forget, we still have a lot of work to do if we want to fix up the treehouse by Christmas Eve. You still want to do that? Of course. I mean, well, I'm too old for that stuff, but I'd hate to ruin our tradition. My brother and I had a long-standing tradition. We would sleep in our treehouse on Christmas Eve, hoping to catch Santa. And I had some cool new ideas, too. Like, uh, we could build an observation deck so we could look at the stars together. I promise we'll get it done. Hmm, that sounds like the perfect Christmas activity. Sleeping outside in the cold on rotten wood. Okay. Hey, I slept in a lot worse in Vietnam, like trees that didn't have houses. Good. Then once we finish the treehouse, you can move out of my room and live up there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Dean's in class. 
Brad asks Dean, well, now that Bruce is back, is he, you know, normal? And Dean says, yeah, why? Corey and Norman also add about this movie they saw on TV about a man who came back from war and he just, he wasn't all there in the head. And, like, he went to eat in the, like, at a restaurant and a waitress asked, like, how do you want your steak? And the guy said, I want it raw. What's that? Dude, guys, boys, that's that's TV. They always depict things to be uh, unrealistic. I mean, I I just think that's cruel to show something like that. That is just such a serious matter. You know, people even uh the war. That's another one that uh, that came out in nineteen ninety four, I believe. Or was it 93? One of them. But um, the character there, uh, Kevin Costner's character, had returned from Vietnam. And he was suffering from PTSD. And it was keeping him from finding work. Because he had stayed in a state hospital while he was recovering from you know, his time in Vietnam and everything. And you see in flashbacks some of the stuff that he had to go through. So, but it's like... You really, honestly, should be handling it more. Back then, I think, being this is 1968, I don't know what movie they could be talking about. I'm sure they're not talking about The Deer Hunter. I'm sure they're not talking about Born on the Fourth of July with Tom Cruise. I just, I'm curious, what movie are they talking about? So, it's, and they're not poking fun they're just saying, well, these are the examples that we're getting of a soldier that's come back from a war and he's just not, yeah. So it's like, they don't, they're kids, they don't know how to handle, they don't know how to handle the situation with the sensitivity that it deserves and, and the respect that it deserves. And Brad adds, and then he went crazy and he stabbed everyone in the park. Well, if you think about it, his body might be back home, but his mind is probably still over there in the war. That's the thing. You might come back from the war physically, but mentally, if your your mind is still there and you're still, your mind is reacting like you're still there, so anything could feel anything, anybody, any situation could easily feel like a threat. And you're reacting based on instinct. I'm just going based on my own assumptions. I don't have, I don't honestly, I'm not going based on any experience of any kind. So I'm just going based on what I've seen in films and characters that have dealt with PTSD, you know, from movies, uh, TV episodes, and stuff like that. It affects everyone differently. I do like the fact that now that there are soldiers that have come back, you know, with PTSD and, and other assorted, you know, situations and stuff like that, where they are able, in some instances, to get service animals that help them cope with the struggles of, you know, their their PTSD and everything. Something to kind of draw them back to the present. 
Like, you're here. It's okay. I'm here. Okay, I think we got a, uh, finally are going to have a Worst Outfit of the Episode Award. Dean's sweater vest. It's okay, but what makes it the worst episode, but worst, no, worst outfit of the episode, he's wearing, like, a white or cream white turtleneck underneath. Gah. Just gah. Not good. Not good. So, these kids... Dean's friends, you know, Norman, Brad, and Corey are all like, yeah, oh my gosh, that was so cool. It's like, boys. Oh, they're in study hall, because there's a sign that says study hall, and it says, no talking. Let's see what else it says. Yeah, it says, no group study, no talking, do not leave desk. No, yeah, no gum chewing. Oh my god. And no sleeping. They actually have to put no sleeping up there. And you can't leave your desk. What? Not even to go to the bathroom? Let me go. I'm surprised it didn't say no passes to the bathroom. No leaving your desk. Not even for the bathroom. Or a cup of water. Or whatever. Okay, so. Dean is like, that's just a movie. That's not real. And of course, they're oh no, it's based on, it's, it's based on a true story. Based. Based? Really? That doesn't mean anything. 1% of it could have been based on a fact of something. And even that was probably embellished. So, Corey says his mom's cousin came back from Vietnam. And he's on the junk. And of course, Norman's like, what's the junk? Or Brad's like, what's the junk? Uh, And Corey says, well, I don't know, but it makes Grandma lock up her ring. So, Apparently, yeah, even Norman says uh, that these guys, when they come back from war, they, they're not the same. Well, they're definitely not. So, clearly, uh, Corey's mom's cousin is got it really bad, like, with the PTSD and just everything. And he's using drugs as a way to cope and block out what he's remembering over there. Like, that's how he's coping with it. It's not a healthy way to cope. But, you know, and it's a sad fact. You know, not a fact. Just that some turn to drugs, some turn to alcohol as a way to cope and try to erase those horrifying memories that they can't block out. And it's just, it's sad. And the fact that this person trying to get these drugs, probably if they're not working, their only other option is to what? Steal things, pawn things, to get money to buy these certain substances. And it's just, it's sad. So let's just show me another example of how those that are affected by the war try to get things to cope with the after effects.
what you guys are talking about. That's just the movie. Nope. Those guys don't come back the same. That's right, Dean. My mama's cousin came back from Vietnam, and now everybody says he's on the junk. What's the junk? I don't really know. Whatever it is, it makes your grandma lock up her rings. So Dean's wondering, <coughs> what if the guys are right? What if the guys from Vietnam don't come back the same? So he's taking it upon himself to watch his brother extra closely like he's looking for signs that his brother is really not the same person he was two years ago. Oh, you know that's going to irritate Bruce. He's going to be drinking a, a pop or whatever and or whatever and look over and Dean is practically in his face just looking at him like and he's like what what is the deal what are you doing why are you doing this we all know Dean is not a subtle person <laughs> Dean sits down with the family I guess everyone's eating breakfast and the way that he's sitting there and he's it's almost like he's kind of bracing himself a little bit he's like kind of like Dean, could you look any more obvious? Even the family's going to be like, son, what are you doing? Leave your brother alone. So I noticed this setup here is very similar to that of the kitchen in the Wonder Years as far as the dining room table and there's a, or the kitchen table and there's a TV in the corner just like in the kitchen in the Wonder Years. Isn't the little TV isn't in a corner? It's actually on like a little, um, a small little <clears throat> three door cabinet thing. He's even going so far as to smile nervously at Bruce. I'm like, dude, you're so obvious right now. You gotta be stealthy about it. But he's 12, he doesn't know stealthy apparently. Oh my god. So, Kim goes to help herself with a, a piece of bacon. Like, I'll take that. And then Bruce takes it from Kim. Like, no, I'll take that. Hands it to Dean. And then he says, and I'll take that. As he takes a piece of bacon off Bill's plate. And then he asks to borrow the car to run some errands. And Dean right away is going to tag along. Like, I got to stick to him like glue. <laughs> and, yeah, because he's got to run errands. And... Lillian looked at Dean like, oh, you like running errands now? It's like, oh, yeah, of course. I love him, of course. <laughs> so, <laughs> and Dean is kind of telling us, like, Evan's brother back brought balance to the house. And then just seeing him, like, taking uh, bacon from Kim's hand and then Bill's plate, like, oh, no, he was batshit crazy. Like, because he's got an appetite. See, they put, his friends put shit thoughts in his head. They really did. Because not only, he's like, well, I gotta stick to my brother like glue so I can catch him in case he's doing something that he normally wouldn't do. So, Dean doesn't want to tip off his parents, but when Bruce grabs the knife, like, oh my god, she's got a knife! I'm like, fuck, Dean, what the heck? And they all look at me like, oh, I mean what she's using to, using to butter his biscuit. Oh, this kid does not know subtlety. He does not. 
what if they were right? What if guys don't come back from Vietnam the same? The next morning, I decided I needed to pay extra close attention to my brother. Never let him leave my sight. Examine every word and action to make sure he's sane. brought the balance of power back to the house. Nothing crazy about that. I'll take that too. Nope. He was clearly bad crazy. Dad, can I borrow your car to run some errands? Oh, I'll go with you. You like running errands now? Oh, you know me. <laughs> I just love them. Of course I didn't, but I had to be careful what I said to my parents. The last thing I wanted was to tip them off that something was wrong with Bruce. He's got a knife! Which he's using to potter his biscuit. Or wrong with me. Dean, if you keep this up, they're gonna think you're the one that's uh, not all there. So, Bruce's errand takes him to a couple streets that Dean's parents told him never to cross. Took, uh, Bruce took them to a shady house in a shady neighborhood, and Bruce tells Dean to stay in the car, and then he takes something out of the trunk. Okay, I'm curious. So, Dean kind of wonders, like, well, what kind of errand requires a duffel bag? So, Bruce goes to the door, and a white guy answers, and he goes, and I'm kind of wondering, like, whether... Oh, man, maybe Bruce is trying to pawn some of his old stuff for my... I don't know. I'm just kind of curious. Or maybe he's trying to find, you know, a job. Something. Because <clears throat> Dean's been sitting in the car a while, so he starts doing these bird calls that he and Bruce made up when they were playing hide-and-seek from Kim. And Dean finally decides to go up to up the steps to try to find out what's going on. Like, Bruce is, I don't know how long he's been sitting in that car. Probably ten minutes. So he looks in the window and then he turns around and starts to tiptoe down the <coughs> steps of the porch. That's when Bruce opens the door and it's like, Dean? And this white couple come out and she's like, oh, is this your little brother? And Bruce says, yeah, that's my nosy little brother, Dean. <laughs> he introduces Mr. and Mrs. Johnson. Oh! Okay. So, these are the parents of a fellow troop member. It looked like maybe Bruce was dropping off some of his stuff, maybe. And Mrs. Johnson just... She breaks down and just says, you, you know, my son spoke so highly of you. How you took care of him and, you know, um, the other members in your troop. Aww. This boy's got a heart of gold. And Mrs. Johnson, my guess is her son didn't make it. So she turns to Dean and says, you cherish every moment you have with your brother. That's right. We all need to cherish each other because you never know when you might not have another moment with them. That's why we try to make every moment count. So Dean asks um, 
did their son die? And Bruce says, yes. And Dean asks him, was he one of the guys you wrote about in your letters home to us? And Bruce says, yes, his name was James. And then Dean asks about Carver and Monty, a couple other guys. Bruce says, yeah, they're still there. They're good. And he says how Carver has a pet chicken named Cat. <laughs> and Dean says, that's so Carver. It's like, the, fact, the way that Bruce wrote about these guys, it's like Dean knows them so well just based on the letters that Bruce sent. <laughs> so Bruce says, alright, Dean, let's go grab over to the hardware store so we can pick up some tools and whatnot for the finishing that, obser making that observation deck. So that way we can be ready for uh, when Santa comes. Aww. Bruce's errand took us to two streets my parents told me never to cross. We ended up at a shady house in a sketchy neighborhood. Stay in the car. What kind of errand required a duffel bag? was a little off. It was good that I was there to look after him. From the car. Ah, Bruce was taking too long. I tried to signal him with the bird calls we used when we played hide-and-seek against Kim. clearly strong, so I had to go see what was really going on. Now, I hadn't been to many white people's houses before, but tiptoeing felt right. Dee! Huh. Is this your little brother? Yes, this is my nosy little brother. Dean, this is Mr. and Mrs. Johnson. You are very lucky to have such a wonderful brother. You know, my son always spoke so highly of you. He really admired the way that you, you always took care of him and the other men in your troop. You cherish every moment you have with your brother. friends that you talked about in your letters yeah james what about carver and monty still there but good you know carver has a pet chicken what's his name cat <laughs> that's so carver <laughs> hey Dean, let's go over to the hardware store pick up a few things for the observation deck i mean we got to be ready for santa cut right So Dean's asking about some rope. And Bruce remembers, I guess, from two years ago when Dean originally wanted rope. And he says, no, we're not going to be tying up Santa Claus to the chimney. 
And Dean's like, no, I want a rope to make, like, a pulley that we can attach a bucket to for the tools and stuff. That is genius. That is definite, definite ingenuity there. Dean also mentions his other ideas, like a slide and a doorbell. And Bruce is, you know, they're just walking down the uh, aisle of the hardware store. And Bruce kind of looks at Dean like, a slide? Don't you think that's a little much? And Dean's like, well, no, a bit much would be a moat and man-eating piranhas. Like, dude, how long are you going to be hanging out in this treehouse? You're already 12. I mean, hell, remember the treehouse that Jack and Kevin tried to build? Yeah. Exactly. That thing never fucking got built. But they did have a good vantage point into the next door neighbor's yard for whether we're wearing those it's almost like fucking like crop top tops with like cleavage popping out damn Kevin was really getting that sexist <laughs> yeah it's, it's almost like you know they're working on the treehouse and they're so high up they can see into this lady's yard as she's working in her backyard on her vegetables and she keeps wearing these, like, tops that are so open. It's basically she's wearing a fucking bra with her boobies popping out. <laughs> that was the one time Norma comes up there, wanted to check things out. And she sees that vantage point. And she's like, oh, yeah, she knows. <laughs> oh, I remember when I covered that episode. <laughs> that lady in the tomatoes. <laughs> Okay, so they go up to the register, and Bruce mentions the help wanted sign in the window. Guy cuts him off, says, oh, well, we already filled that position. Doesn't even look him in the eye, just says, we filled it, cuts him off, we filled it. It's been filled. <sighs> I know it's 1968, but come the fuck on. I'm sure Bruce is like, Dean, let's go. We're not buying anything here. We'll take our business elsewhere to a better... We're going to go to Ace Hardware. We're going to go to Home Depot, Lowe's. Instead of naming off all these big names, that's a mom and pop operation. So the guy actually starts retreating like to the back. Just He basically just... What an asshole. So... Bruce is like, yeah, you know, why don't you take the sign out the window then if the position is filled? Like, you asshole. Ugh. So, oh gosh, here's another guy who's coming up and asking Bruce, like, oh, I see you're wearing the jacket. So, my guess is he's going to say, thank you for serving our country. Or, Bruce looks like he's already in a mood. And he's going to snap at this guy who's probably just going to, you know, compliment him for his service. I don't know. Yeah, the guy's like, oh, no, it's a jacket. Nom, right? And Bruce says, yeah, 22nd Infantry, yeah. Gosh, part of me feels, I don't know if this guy's gonna spit on him or snub him or to Bruce or what. I don't know. I just feel like this is gonna go south really fast. So the guy's like, yeah, just saw, uh, you guys must have saw some serious action because he said something about, you know, I just stacked boxes in the PX. I don't know what that is. And he tells Ridley, oh, I see you're looking for a job. 
what's a guy gonna say like, oh, hey, don't work here, alright? And you're gonna find something better, because that guy's an asshole. I won't work for him and pay me a million dollars. This guy sounds solid. This guy, he really does. He's like, hey, look, um, yeah, my boss at the bank, he loves hiring vets. You know, I, he gave me a job my first week back, you know, as a bank teller. Okay. I I mean, maybe it might work. Maybe, ugh, I just, the whole race thing, though, is what worries me. It's like, the guy's kind of like, no, I don't, no, 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 I don't, like, uh, I just, the guy sounds cool, though. So we'll see where this goes. So the guy pulls out um, a business card or a note. Just says, here's the number. Just tell him Mark sent you. And Bruce was like, wow, that'd be great. And the guy says, good luck in the real world. Yeah, you know, like definitely good luck at, you know, adapting and trying to, you know, re-enter society and all that after everything. Because it looks like why the guy is like... Well, I just have, you know, PX boxes. So, my guess is he was kept away from the fighting. He was pretty much just a stock guy, just stocking stuff. Would be my guess. Oh, yeah, alright. So, the guy leaves, and then Mark leaves, and then Bruce is like, alright, let's go find some rope. And Dean says, to tie Santa up. And Bruce is like, what? (laughs) What? What was that? (laughs) Nothing, nothing. I, uh, after that guy did that to me, though, I don't know if I want to fucking shop there. I'm like, you know, I'm taking my business to fucking Home Depot. Bye. Buy some rope. <laughs> I told you last time we are not tying Santa to the chimney. No, stupid. Although that was a solid idea. I want to buy some rope and a pulley so we can pull supplies up in a bucket. Yeah, I also have a bunch of other ideas, too, like doorbell or maybe a slide. A slide? Isn't that a bit much? No, a bit much would be a moat filled with man-eating piranhas. The piranhas part, not the moat. Um, excuse me, sir? I saw the help wanted sign the window. We failed that position. Oh, yeah, right. Uh-huh. Exactly, I think I'll well, maybe it. you should take the sign out the window, then. I, uh, noticed the jacket. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just got back. I was a corporal in the 22nd Infantry. Oh, man, y'all saw some serious action. I just stocked shelves in the PX. Heard you say you needed a job, though. Work at the bank downtown. My boss loves vets. Hired me as a teller my first week back. Seriously? Yeah. That'd be great. Here. Just let him know. Mark sent you. And, uh, good luck in the real world. Thank you. Let's go find some rope. Cool. <laughs> Santa. Wait, what? Nothing. Bruce is off to that bank interview. You know, they're giving, uh, Lillian and Bill are giving Bruce great advice. You know, look him in the eye, firm handshake, all that stuff. Bruce looks really sharp, dressed in a nice, you know, work, uh, business attire. You want to really sell yourself during the interview and stuff like that. Bruce heads in the car. He's like, Dad, I handled an M55 howitzer. I'm pretty sure I can handle a job interview. Ugh. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I had two interviews in one day. And I tell you, they both, especially the Barnes & Noble one, the questions that they asked, you had to be on your toes and really think about those answers. I'm not saying it was tough, but it's like they do hire a special, you know, they really want to know 
about the person they're hiring as far as, and especially when it comes to, you know, everyone wants to work in a bookstore, but they want to choose the very, you know, to, to the person hiring, it's like, this isn't good. Anyone who wants to work in a bookstore, they're going to hire someone who, it's not just a job to them. It's something that they really, really love and are passionate about. And the way that they find out, do you have the passion for books? Excuse me, is by the questions they ask. And I gotta say, out of all the interviews I've ever had in my life, that was probably the most intriguing and interesting interview I had ever had. I remember that day, too, because um, <laughs> I went and saw the movie Spencer, the one with Kristen Stewart, Kristen Stewart, and I thought it was good, but... The, honestly, the thing I really loved about it was the ending song with Diana and, you know, William and Harry in the car and that song, All I Need is a Miracle, comes on. And I'm just thinking as that song's playing to my interview, I, while I'm driving to my interview, I'm just thinking, All I Need is a Miracle. Yes, 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 yes. And then, of course, I had to get to my other interview, which is the current job I have now. I got to choose which job to take, which made sense to go with the movie theater because the bookstore was more of a seasonal position. It would have ended probably around January, whereas the one I'm working now is more, you know, it's a permanent position and offer more hours and it was closer. So, yeah, but it definitely was a fun interview. I liked the manager who was interviewing me. We got on really well and everything like that. And when she said... I'd love for you to join our team. And I said, thank you. And I did let her know, you know, I do have another interview and everything like that. So, yeah. We'll see how Bruce's interview goes, though, because I'm, again, I really, I've been surprised now twice by my hunches where I've been wrong. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I most likely could be wrong. Maybe the guy does hire Bruce. Maybe the Mark guy says, oh, no, I've never seen this guy before in my life. When, if Bruce is like, well, Mark gave me this card and told me to. Because, he, well, he's got the interview, so he must have spoke to the guy. Am I right? All right, let's, I want to yell. See how this goes down. So, of course, Dean decides to come along. Like, I'll stay in the car. I just, uh, I have some bank business, too, as he has this big old mason jar full of pennies. And Bruce is interviewing at the Charter Bank and Trust. And Dean's sitting next to Bruce like, How did this Canadian penny get in my jar of pennies here? Dean says, How did this Canadian penny make it all the way to Alabama? You will be surprised how much money changes so many hands. From one hand to the next to the next. Just so, I mean, just even the journey that one penny alone takes from the time it's made to, yeah. And you see, like, kind of the, some of these beat up, like, coins and stuff. And you gotta wonder, like, what has this, the the stories a coin or a, a bill could tell you, I just, that would be interesting. If somebody made a short like a short story or something, or a short little movie about the journey of a coin or a piece of paper money currency. That would be so, so interesting. 
So the guy comes out and he says, Corporal, calls uh, Bruce Corporal Williams. He says, thank you for your service. I was also, I was in World War, WW2, he says. Well, he says he served in WW2. And the guy seems nice. I mean, he says, always happy to help a fellow vet. You know, just because we're back home doesn't mean we shouldn't still have each other's backs. Oh, this guy seems nice. So, yeah, uh, Bruce says, well, thank you, sir. And then they walk into the office and then we see Dean thinking, oh my gosh, it's going to be so awesome having a brother who works in the bank. All the free lollipops I can get. Because, yeah, it seemed like yeah, it was either Dum Dum Suckers or as a kid it was also those sweet tarts. Like the the Smarties, I think it was. Those say they were nice, but they were that stuff. I remember kind of that stuff being kind of chalky, dust like, and just like <laughs> coughing. But the Smarties were still good. And he was he's saying like, hey, how maybe I can take a bath in money like Scrooge McDuck, and we see Dean in the bathtub. With a tub full of money and he's wearing a black top hat. Okay, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on a sec. I gotta see. Something's up here. When did Mickey's Christmas Carol come out? Mickey's Christmas Carol. 1983. So, let's see here. Um, when was, like, Scrooge McDuck, when was the character... Scrooge McDuck. It says four. Okay, hold on. It says. Okay. Fucking Wikipedia, go to hell. Uh, Scrooge McDuck is a cartoon character created in 1947 by Carl Banks for the Walt Disney Company. Okay, so he was in Disney Comics. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So 47 would have been. Alright, cool. Because I was going to say, well, we all know DuckTales didn't exist until, what, late 89, 90, when Disney Afternoon came around? But then again, in the Christmas Carol movie, Mickey's Christmas Carol, you know, we are also introduced to him then as well, so, yeah. At first, I'm like, <laughs> see, when I think Scrooge McDuck, boom, DuckTales comes immediately to my mind. They got Dean in a top hat and a glass monocle. <laughs> Dean is just going to town on his candy. As Bruce comes out, he's like, Dean, let's go. And you hear this guy saying, Mr. Williams, Mr. Williams. You know, the guy who's so nice to help out a fellow vet. But... Part of me did feel at first like, okay, this guy could help him out. But then another part of me is feeling... I still think this is going to go south in someone's in some way something's going to happen. I want to know what the hell went on in that meeting. What happened? I don't want to hear like they only hire white people or some bullshit like that. What the he is going to have a stomach ache. He's like what is that a bunch of Hershey's kisses wrappers? My gosh, he's about to think into my finish my he's like now Dean, let's go. What happened behind that door? I wanna hear how that fucking interview went. Oh, I 
tells you, okay, that's his jar of pennies. At first, I'm like, did he take candy tits too? Like, <laughs> but this in the car. He's going to have such a stomach ache. Uh, Bruce is off to that bank interview. You know, they're give, uh, Lillian and Bill are giving Bruce great advice. You know, look him in the eye, firm handshake, all that stuff. Bruce looks really sharp, dressed in a nice, you know, uh, work uh, business attire. You want to really sell yourself during the interview and stuff like that. Bruce heads in the car. He's like, Dad, I handled the M55 howitzer. I'm pretty sure I can handle a job interview. Uh, <laughs> God, oh, my goodness. I had two interviews in one day. And I tell you, they both, especially the Barnes & Noble one, the questions that they asked, you had to be on your toes and really think about those answers. I'm not saying it was tough, but it's like they do hire a special, you know, they really want to know about the person they're hiring as far as, and especially when it comes to, you know, everyone wants to work in a bookstore, but they want to choose the very, you know, to to the person hiring, it's like, this isn't good. Anyone who wants to work in a bookstore. They're going to hire someone who... It's not just a job to them. It's something that they really, really love and are passionate about. And the way that they find out, do you have the passion for books? Excuse me. Is by the questions they ask. And I gotta say, out of all the interviews I've ever had in my life, that was probably the most intriguing and interesting interview I had ever had. I remember that day, too, because um, <laughs> I went and saw the movie Spencer, the one with Kristen Stewart, Kristen Stewart, and I thought it was good, but the honestly, the thing I really loved about it was the ending song with Diana and, you know, William and Harry in the car, and that song, All I Need is a Miracle, comes on, and I'm just thinking, as that song's playing to my interview, I while I'm driving to my interview, I'm just thinking, All I Need is a Miracle, yes, 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 yes. And then, of course, I had to get to my other interview, which is the current job I have now. I got to choose which job to take, which made sense to go with the movie theater because the bookstore was more of a seasonal position. It would have ended probably around January, whereas the one I'm working now is more, you know, it's a permanent position and offered more hours and it was closer. So, yeah, but... It definitely was a fun interview. I liked the manager who was interviewing me. We got on really well and everything like that. And when she said, I'd love for you to join our team. And I said, thank you. And I did let her know, you know, I do have another interview and everything like that. So, yeah. We'll see how Bruce's interview goes, though. Because uh, I'm, again, I really, I've been surprised now twice by my hunches where I've been wrong. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I most likely could be wrong. Maybe the guy does hire Bruce. Maybe the Mark guy says, oh no, I've never seen this guy before in my life. When, if Bruce is like, well, Mark gave me this card and told me to. Because, he, well, he's got the interview, so he must have spoke to the guy, am I right? Alright, let's, I want to yell, see how this goes down. So, of course, Dean decides to come along. Like, I'll stay in the car. I just, uh, I have some bank business, too, as he has the, this big old mason jar full of pennies. And Bruce is interviewing at the Charter Bank and Trust. 
And Dean's sitting next to Bruce like, how did this Canadian penny get in my jar of pennies here? Dean says, how did this Canadian penny make it all the way to Alabama? You will be surprised how much money changes so many hands from one hand to the next to the next. Just so, I mean, just even the journey that one penny alone takes from the time it's made to, yeah. And you see, like, kind of some of these beat up, like, coins and stuff. You gotta wonder, like, what has this, the, the stories a coin or a, a bill could tell you. I just, that would be interesting. If somebody made a short like a short story or something, or a short little movie about the journey of a coin or a piece of paper money currency, that would be so, so interesting. So the guy comes out and he says, Corporal, calls uh, Bruce Corporal Williams. He says, thank you for your service. I was also, I was in World War, WW2, he says. Well, he says he served in WW2. And the guy seems nice. I mean, he says, always happy to help a fellow vet. You know, just because we're back home doesn't mean we shouldn't still have each other's backs. Oh, this guy seems nice. So, yeah, uh, Bruce says, well, thank you, sir. And then they walk into the office and then we see Dean thinking, oh my gosh, it's going to be so awesome having a brother who works in the bank. All the free lollipops I can get. Because, yeah, it seemed like yeah, it was either dum-dum suckers or as a kid it was also those sweet tarts. Like the the Smarties, I think it was. Those things, they were nice, but they were, you know, that stuff, I remember kind of, that stuff being kind of chalky, dust-like, and just like <laughs> coughing. But the Smarties were still good. And he was, he's saying like, hey, how, maybe I can take a bath and money like Scrooge McDuck. And we see Dean in the bathtub with a tub full of money and he's wearing a black top hat. Okay, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on a sec. I gotta see. Something's up here. When did Mickey's Christmas Carol come out? Mickey's Christmas Carol. 1983. So, let's see here. Um, when was, like, Scrooge McDuck, when was the character Scrooge McDuck? It says four, okay, hold on. It says, okay, fucking Wikipedia go to hell. Uh, Scrooge McDuck is a cartoon character created in 1947 by Carl Banks for the Walt Disney Company. Okay, so he was in Disney Comics. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So 47 would have been... Alright, cool. Because I was going to say, well, we all know DuckTales didn't exist until, what, late 89, 90 when Disney Afternoon came around? But then again, in the Christmas Carol movie, Mickey's Christmas Carol... You know, we are also introduced to him then as well. So, yeah. At first, I'm like, <laughs> see, when I think Scrooge McDuck, boom, DuckTales comes immediately to my mind. They got Dean in a top hat and a glass monocle. 
Dean is just going to town on this candy. As Bruce comes out, he's like, Dean, let's go. And you hear this guy saying, Mr. Williams, Mr. Williams. You know, the guy who's so nice to help out a fellow vet. But part of me did feel at first like, okay, this guy could help him out. But then another part of me is feeling, I still think this is going to go south in someone's, in some way, something's going to happen. I want to know what the hell went on in that meeting. What happened? I don't want to hear like they only hire white people or some bullshit like that. What the? He is going to have a stomachache. He's like, what is that? A bunch of Hershey's Kisses rappers? My gosh. He's like, but I didn't get to finish my, finish my... He's like, now, Dean, let's go. What happened behind that door? I want to hear how that fucking interview went. Oh, I was, okay, that's his jar of pennies. At first, I'm like, did he take the candy kit too? Like, <laughs> but this in the car. He's going to have such a stomachache. So Dean's working oh, on the the treehouse. He they got a bucket, they got ropes so they can pull up the tools and whatnot. And Bill comes out and asks how the interview went. And Bruce says, Well, they offered me a job, I just didn't take it. And Bruce says, I'm not gonna be a janitor. Are you fucking kidding me? They offered him a job as a fucking janitor? What the f- What? That is bullshit. That is total bullshit. Take care of each other, my ass. I did not- Other than Bruce and Dean, I did not see another black person in that bank. Even the guy Mark was white. Girl, I can get you a job, just not as a bank teller. What? And Bill says, well, I thought they were offering you a bank teller position. And Bruce says, yeah, that's what I thought. But apparently they only give the bank teller positions to the white Vietnam vets. Fuck you and your bank go to hell. And Bruce says, you know, I kind of forgot what it was like, you know, being back here and everything like that and how it's still, even though schools are integrated and stuff like that, there's still people's racist attitudes you have to contend with. And Bill says, you know what? You're too smart to be a bank teller. I think it's time you need to start going, you need to go to college. And I can see that Bruce is probably, you know, I just got back after two years. I can't see him wanting to go right to college right away. So Bill says, let, you know, you got your GI Bill, let Uncle Sam pay for your college instead of your father. Well, I mean, if it'll cover it, then go for it. I say go for it. That way you don't gotta start out when you're done with college with a shit ton of debt that you're gonna be paying until you're fucking 50 or more. Think about that. You go to college for four years. You have all this damn debt. You're gonna wanna buy a car if you don't have one. 
you're going to want to one day maybe get a house. Those student loan debts are fucking crippling. If you don't have uh, scholarships or, you know, your parents have been saving money for college since the day you were born and all that stuff. You're paying on this shit for a good 10, 15 Maybe even 20 years, depending on how long you go to school. That shit is crippling. It really, really is. You know, you want to get a good career. You want to be able to get a good job when you get out. But think about these jobs that you get. You're Even when you get the job, you're still pay, paying that student loan off for such a long time. When you could be maybe saving down the road for retirement, instead you're you're paying on your damn student loans. Well, the job that barely covers the monthly payments, along with every other you know bill that you have to pay. That's real life, kids. That's what you're in a hurry to grow up to do is pay all you these bills and everything like that. Slow down. Slow down. Seriously. You have the rest of your life to be an, an adult. Or the rest of your life to pay bills and own a house and deal with all of that shit. Why are you in a hurry to do that? So, Bruce says, Dad, you don't gotta worry about me. I got options. And Bill kind of, he backs off like, that's all right, son. I know. I know you do. So Dean says, you know, he, he he felt bad that Bruce didn't get the job he wanted. But hey, they can still work on that observation deck and get it done by Christmas Eve. Good luck. Remember, firm handshake. Look him in the eye. Okay, Dad, I handled the M55 palliser. I think I can handle a job interview. It was nice to see Bruce so excited. It seemed like he was back on the right path. Still, I wasn't going to take my eyes off him for a second. Dean, what do you do? I promise I'll stay out of your way. Besides, I have some important bank business, too. Dang it. How did this Canadian penny make it all the way to Alabama? Uncle Williams. Thank you for your service. I served in WW, too. Always happy to help a fellow vet. Now, just because we're back home doesn't mean we shouldn't still watch each other's backs. Well, I appreciate that, sir. Please. It's going to be so cool having a brother who works in a bank. I'll get all the free lollipops I want. And maybe I can take a bath in money, like Scrooge McDuck. Mr. Williams. Mr. Williams. Dean, let's go. Wait, but I didn't get a chance to finish. Now, Dean. Come on. Those look like Ricky's kisses. How'd it go? Well, uh, they offered me a job, but I didn't take it. Why not? Because I don't want to be a janitor. What? I thought you were interviewing for a teleposition. Yeah, me too. But clearly, they only offer the good jobs to the white veterans. I forget what things look like back here. <laughs> you know what? You're too smart to be a teller. It's time to start college. The GI Bill will cover your tuition. Let your Uncle Sam pay instead of your father. 
Thanks, Dad. But you don't have to worry about me. I know I got options. All right, son. I felt bad that Bruce didn't get the job he wanted. But the silver lining was we had more time to spend on the treehouse. Maybe now we could finish that observation deck by Christmas Eve. <laughs> and of course, they're kind of like, well, where's Bruce? Because they're still working on the tree. And Dean comes in with an electric saw. And the fact that he says, it's 1968. I'm surprised I wasn't missing a few digits on my hand. So Bill says Bruce went off to, for some last minute shopping. And Kim <laughs> finds an ornament that Dean made in kindergarten. Like, hey, check out this <laughs> dumb thing he made. <laughs> uh, just to kind of, you know, Kim being Kim. And <laughs> Kim says, I can't tell. Is it Jesus in a manger or an alien on a skateboard? Okay, why didn't we skateboard? A thing. I mean, I'm sure they were made before the 80s. Yeah, I looked it up. It says that skateboards existed in the 60s. So, I'm just thinking of the flashy ones from like the late 80s, the 90s, and stuff like that. So, it looks like Bruce is home because the door closes. Okay, so he comes in, of course, they ask, oh, where's your shopping bags? He's like, uh, right, uh, I didn't do much shopping. No, he didn't go shopping. And Bill says, like, the dean of admissions for the college is going to meet you the day after Christmas, so the 26th. Why do I get the feeling like Bruce is going to blow up at this? Like, I told you I'm handling things. You didn't have to go and do that. You know, Bruce says thank you. And, you know, thanks, thanks. But, you know, I wouldn't want him to waste his time. And then Lillian starts in about, like, you know, I could ask, you know, around my job to see if they have anything available that you could do. So, it's like, because she says maybe you're not ready for college, but, you know, they definitely want him to get a, you know, a job while he's living there and everything like that. But it's just, they're not giving us him a second to breathe, like, right, like, you gotta find a job. Have you found a job? You didn't get the job? Why didn't you get the job? Like, calm down. It's like, dude... He is a grown man. He's going to find one. But this does take time. You, it is this late 60s. You know, in Alabama. And, I mean, how you... We saw how there he was going to get a janitor job at the bank, which is total bullshit. Yeah, Bruce is getting a little P.O. He's like, I can take care of myself. And, of course, Bill jumps in and says... Don't speak to your mother that way. And, of course, Bruce immediately apologizes. And Lillian, like, yeah, there's something going on here. She asks Bruce, what's wrong? Hey, well, this is a shocker. I guess we're not going to really see Bruce adjusting back to civilian life because he just re-enlisted for another tour he goes back in January. I mean, it's a shock enough when he you know, when to begin with. But the fact that he's going back, I think the fact that he feels like he can't right now adjust to living there and just, it's too hard for him. So he's going back to what he's known for the last two years, which is, you know, being over in Vietnam and being with, you know, his crew. And everything like that. And just, he's not ready yet. He's not ready for civilian life and to go back to 
It's going to be what everyone is calling normal and everything, just day-to-day life. He's not ready for that. And I think the fact that he was going to be given a janitor position over a bank teller position, really it's like, what the hell am I even doing here? I can re-enlist, and I know that I'm helping people and stuff, and I'm... I know I'm doing something that I already have experience in doing. And this takes a, uh, this is a shock to the family. They weren't, no way were they expecting this. You know, I really thought this was going to be different. I really honestly thought we were going to be able to get to know Bruce a little more. And be able to see his character. But, I guess the show's not going in that direction. So the family's not taking this well. Bill even asks, have you lost your mind? And Lillian asks, you know, when did this happen? And Bruce says, just now. I just left the recruitment center. And Dean is saying to himself, like, maybe my friends are right. Maybe he had gone crazy from being in Vietnam. The fact that he wants to go back there. Like, but then again, who are they to judge Bruce? And they have no idea what he's going through, what he's been through. I mean, two years may not seem like a long time, but when that's basically all you know for the last two years. <clears throat> not to mention, he was a corporal. He had ranking and everything like that, and he was taking care of a, a troop of, you know, guys and everything like that. He had that responsibility. So the idea of going from that... To a lowly fucking janitor. Uh, I apologize for the F-bomb, but... Hell no! Why in the world do you really think that somebody, unless they are so desperate financially, is going to take... What the... Uh, is going to take a position... Like, say they're, they're a manager of something... Of a, a business or whatever. Do you think they're going to take a position that is so low on the totem pole? No. It'd be like starting at score one. Or maybe there are those out there that probably have had higher up positions that feel they don't want that pressure. They don't want all that responsibility. And they just want to, you know, just have a job and, and, you know, earn a paycheck, basically. And not have to have a... I mean, you know even managers have to answer to higher-ups. But Bruce feels, you know, he knows what he's doing, that this is the right thing for him. So Dean is heartbroken. You know, he looks at his brother like, but you just got home. I mean, what about... You know, all the stuff that we were going to do together. And Bruce says, I'm, I'm sorry, little buddy. I'm, I'm sorry. I just... And Bruce says, I promise I'll fi- we'll finish the treehouse before I leave. Dean looks at Bruce and just shrugs his shoulder. Don't bother. And he picks up the teles- wrapped telescope that was going to be for Bruce. And says to us in his head, now he's never going to know what his present is. So now the family is having their say about Bruce's decision to go back to Vietnam. Bill says, you know, we've been watching the news. 
We've been seeing that it's getting worse and worse over there. Kim says, I've been doing protests and sit-ins to stop the war so you can come home and now you're just going to go back? You know, this reminds me, this reminds me of the movie Now and Then. Brendan Fraser played a hippie veter Vietnam vet veteran. And the girls are all talking about, oh, well, well, on the news, the U.S. said that they're really starting to gain ground over there. <clears throat> and he says, forget about that, okay? Forget about what you heard and what you saw. People over there lied about what they've seen and done. Like, yeah, the news is only going to show you what they want you to see, which is not reality. They're into shock factor and scare tactics. You know, and he tells them, he says, you just don't understand. And Lillian says, well, help us understand. And Bruce tells them, he says, here... Everyone sees me as just a janitor, like that's all I can do. And we know that Bruce has done more than that. We don't know exactly what he did over there, but he was a corporal and he was in charge of a group of men. He was giving orders. Bruce says, over there, those men, they respect me. I'm a leader. And of course... I'm sure Bill's going to come in, yeah, with, uh, you think they respect a black soldier? No, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Bill doesn't say that. Kim does. I mean, sweetie, you're not over there. You don't know. And Bruce says, Kim, one of the reasons I re-enlisted is because they were going to promote me to sergeant. I hope so. I mean, going from, uh, a corporal to a sergeant. That's that's great. Sure as shit beats being a fucking janitor making piss nothing money. And Bruce even tells the fans, like, I could have a career in the army. It's a lot better than sweeping floors for the rest of my life. Which, yes! Yes, he is putting his life at risk and stuff. But he's thinking of himself. And the fact that, you know, with the respect and everything that he's getting just his position and everything like that it's like yeah there are some out there that have made a, a career of that and there's nothing wrong with it everyone kind of sees what their lot in life is and what they want to do so I get they want to protect him and they want him home with them it's like okay good his tour's over he can come home but there's more to it than that I mean, Bill was in Korea, but even Lillian said, you know, you were a cook, so you didn't exactly see all the, um, the fighting and all that. You were kind of kept away from that. Lillian keeps pushing Bill, like, why don't you go to college? You know, your grades were good and everything. And Bruce says, that was two years ago, as was my last baseball rally. And he keeps saying, you guys have no idea what I've been through. It's like, yeah, he keeps saying that, but it's like, tell them. Let them know if you want to share. So he tells them that he has a lot of friends in Vietnam, and he feels the need <clears throat> to protect them, to go back there and protect them and send them home. 
And Bill says how that sounds noble, but... And then Bruce cuts him off and says, I already signed the reenlistment papers at the recruitment center. It's, done. it's basically a done deal. He's going back. At the beginning of the next year. And Bruce tells them, he says, it's too late. And then he gets up and says, it's too late. And he walks out of the room. Maybe now we could finish that observation deck by Christmas Eve. <laughs> Where's Bruce? Yep, that's an electric saw. It was 1968. There are a bunch of kids walking around missing a couple of fingers. You said he has some last minute shopping. <laughs> Look, it's the ornament Dean made in kindergarten. I can't tell. Is it Jesus in a manger or a space alien on a skateboard? <laughs> Oh, there he is. Oh. Where are your shopping bags? Oh, right, right. Um, I didn't do much shopping. Good news. The dean of admissions from Bama State is going to meet with you personally the day after Christmas vacation. Thanks. Thanks, but uh, I wouldn't want him to waste his time. That's fine. <laughs> Maybe you're not ready for school, but I could ask around at work and see if there's anything. I can take care of myself. Hey, don't speak to your mother that way. I'm sorry, Mama. What's wrong? Tell us. I re-enlisted for another tour. I go back in January. <laughs> Have you lost your mind? When did this happen? Now? I just got back from the recruitment office. I guess maybe my friends at school were right. Bruce had to be crazy if he wanted to go back to Vietnam. But I just got home. What about all the stuff we were going to do together? I know, Dean. I'm sorry, little buddy, but I promise we'll finish the treehouse before I leave. Don't bother. Now he'll never know what his present was. <laughs> You're not thinking straight. We've been watching the news. We know it's getting worse over there every day. I've been going to protests and sit-ins to end this war so you could come home. And now you're choosing to go back? Oh, you just don't understand. I don't... Help us to understand, son. When I'm here, people see me as just a janitor. Over there, my men, they respect me. I'm a leader. You really think they respect a black soldier? Kim, one of the reasons I re-enlisted is because they're going to promote me to sergeant. I could have a career in the army, which is a hell of a lot better than sweeping floors for the rest of my life. You'd have a lot more opportunities if you went to college. You made good grades. That was two years ago. So was my last baseball game and my last rally. None of you have any idea what I've been through. I have a lot of friends back there in Vietnam. And I feel bad about that. I think about that a lot. Okay, I feel like I have to go back right now and make sure they get home safely. Son, that is noble. There's no point in talking. I already signed the papers at the recruitment center. It's too late. It's too late. And Bruce is... <clears throat> excuse me. Dean is coming out of his bedroom into the living room. And... He's telling us how his mom and dad were on the same page, that they were right and Bruce was wrong. It's like, he is a grown man. He is allowed to make the decisions that he is going to make. And once he signed out that dotted line, that was basically it. You can't just go and like, I made a mistake. It's like, no, you signed 
these documents and that's just it. You're you're going where you're gonna go. So he goes into the kitchen and Dean sees Lillian packing a to go box, a care package for Bruce to take with him. You know, things to remind him of home. And Dean is just like so you're just letting him go back to Vietnam? And she says, we can't change his mind. There's nothing we can do. That's his decision. Dean has a little problem trying to understand the fact that his brother is a grown man. He is not a child that his parents can just say, you're not doing this. End of story. You're just, we're putting our foot down. Lillian says, he's a grown man. He can make his own choices and we have to love and support him. And Dean's all like, oh, I bet dad would yell at him. It's like, and? And she tells him, they've been up all all morning now working on that treehouse. I'm thinking, you need to get your ass out there, Dean, and help them finish. It was your idea. You want to get this done. You should be helping them. You know, and even Lillian... You know, she's facing away from Dean and she's just, her voice is breaking saying, you know, we love and support your brother. <clears throat> you know, there's nothing we can do. He's a grown man. It's just the feeling, the, the lack of power of being in control and everything like that. And just, you know, it's supposed to be uh, a happy celebration and... It's like you put coal in their stocking by saying, oh, by the way, every... But, like I said, it just... He does not seem happy there. And for two years, you know, he's just... He's thinking of himself and what's good. He has a responsibility, you know, to his men. And he wants to make sure they get home safely. And I gotta, I gotta honestly say, as nice as this episode is, it just feels like it is lacking in some areas. Like, I'm still thinking of, you know, Wart coming home and that ending scene with him and Wayne and just, you know, Wart on that bench on that baseball field and just in his, you know, boxers and just crying and everything. I wish we could have gotten something like that from this episode. I mean, we see him walk out of an interview. We see him get angry at a store clerk for not taking the hiring sign down, even though, you know, the guy did not feel that position. I just wish we... And the episode's not over yet, but I just... I felt like... I wanted more from this. And it's just not delivering. I I don't want it to be a copycat of the OG Wonder Years. You know, it has its own spark and everything. But it's just like... I don't don't know. Because I like it doing its own spin and everything. And it's creative in that way. But I just... There's... So many things like they could have done with this episode, but I want to finish it first before I just, you know, give my final uh, say on this. Because there's still time and I could still be surprised. So Lillian walks out of the kitchen and Dean is just like, what is wrong with this family? And he just can't believe that his parents were actually just going to let this happen. 
So Dean figures it's up to him to stop his brother from going to Vietnam. The good news was Mama and Daddy were on the same page. Bruce was wrong and we were right. It would only be a matter of time before they laid down the law. What are you doing? Putting a box together for your brother to take with him. Want me to have some things to remind him of home. So you're just letting him go back to Vietnam? We can't stop him, Dean, much as we want to. He's a grown man. He makes his own choices now. But he's our son, so we have to love and support him. I bet Dad would yell at him. They've been out there working on that treehouse all morning. No yelling. No yelling. What is wrong with this family? I couldn't believe it. My parents were actually going to let this happen. Clearly, it was up to me now to keep my brother from going back to Vietnam. Oh, Dean goes to the sit-in and is holding a sign that says, Stop the war. Let me guess. Bruce comes in. Oh, he, oh, he's doing that at the recruitment center? No, that wasn't his brother. That was just some guy with parted hair and a leather, black leather jacket coming in. This lady bends down at Dean's level. Says, Merry Christmas, little fella. Little fella? What is he, five? So, adult Dean narrates saying, Malcolm X was right. This was... Non-violent protests were very ineffective. Oh, this non-violence thing was very ineffective. And Dean's like, oh no, here comes one of those <laughs> imperialist warmonger pigs now. So the guy asked Dean, do you know how long this you know, sit-in's gonna last? Because I want to close up early so I can go home. You know, close early for Christmas Eve. Like, Dean, you could be doing so much more right now. You could be working on that treehouse, and you're not. Yeah, the guy wants to do some Christmas shopping and get his nephew a G.I. Joe. Oh, that's always fun. And, you know, Dean's just sitting there. Like, dude, you could be, man, you could be home with your family, spending time with Bruce before he leaves. Instead, you're going to sit at a... Army Recruitment Center holding a sign? Like, dude, you are wasting time, man. You only got so much time with your brother before he goes back. I'd be helping build that triage. You'd be spending time with your brother, making memories that you could hold on to for years to come. Dean tells the guy, don't waste your money buying the black one. It's just the white one painted brown. And the guy nods, like, okay, good tip. And then Dean says, I'm not leaving until I end the war in Vietnam. I'm not leaving until I end this war, is what he says. And Dean says, I'm not, I don't want my brother going back to Vietnam. And the guy asks, what's your brother's name? And Dean says, Bruce. And the guy's like, all right, okay, well, you do what you gotta do. And Dean is just thinking, like, I can't believe all these people just blindly go about their lives while my family was being torn apart. And then Dean says, I can't believe how stupid I was also not to pee before my sit-in. Dean says, I gotta pee. Can you hold this sign for me? And adult Dean says, I can see why how this guy was getting people to re-enlist. This guy was a master of persuasion as he comes over and gives Dean a candy cane. Like, here you go, little guy. 
That's right. The sit-in. A classic act of civil disobedience. Occupy. Disrupt. Let them know you mean business. Yeah, it wasn't really working. Merry Christmas, little fella. Malcolm X was right. This non-violence thing was not very effective. Uh-oh. Here comes one of the imperialist warmonger pigs now. <laughs> hey, any idea how long your sit-in's gonna last? Time to hold my ground. We're supposed to close early for Christmas Eve, and I've still got some shopping to do. <laughs> gonna buy my nephew a G.I. Joe. Don't waste your money buying the black one. It's just the white one painted brown. But I'm not leaving until I end this war. I don't want my brother going back to Vietnam. Okay. What was your brother's name? Bruce. Right. Well, you gotta do what you gotta do. I couldn't believe how all these people could just blindly go about their lives while my family was being torn apart. I also couldn't believe how stupid I was not to pee before I started my sit-in. I gotta use the bathroom. Can you hold this sign for me? I'll be right back. I was starting to see how they get people to re-enlist. This guy was a master of persuasion. Oh, here comes Bruce, and he nods to the two uh, men there, and he's like, hey, can I join your sit-in? And Dean says, no. He tells Bruce, I'm trying to end this war, and you don't care. Bruce sits down on that couch across... um, on the other end of the couch and tells Dean, that's not true. I also want to end the war, but I also want to help. I want to get the guys from my platoon home safely. Wow, this is cold, Dean. As he says, so you care more about the guys in your pl- in your platoon than your whole family. Damn, boy. And Bruce says, well, you all are safe here. I just want to make sure my buddies get to spend their next Christmas with their little brothers. Bruce, I love him. He is a sweetheart. Putting everyone else's needs above his own. Because, you know, they're my responsibility. I have to take care of them. I have to get them home safely. An adult Dean says when Bruce said that, I realized that the other soldiers that he was looking out for had families that felt the same way as mine. And adulting says, or worse, like the parents I saw yesterday who lost their son. Adulting says, I still didn't want my brother to go, but at least I understand, understood why he was going. And I love how Bruce leans down close to Dean, kind of almost head to head, says, So, can we go home now? I got something I want to show you. Dean relents as he says, Okay. And Bruce says, We got to get that sign back to Kim's room because, you know, she'll murder you, right? If <laughs> we don't get it back. As they walk out of the recru- army recruitment office, adult Dean says, By the way, my plan to end the war in Vietnam did work. It just took seven more years. Oh my gosh. 
Hey, can I join you sit in? No. I'm trying to end this war. And you don't care. Okay. That's not true. I want to end the war too, but I also want to help my guys from my platoon get home safely. So you care about them more than you do your own family? Oh, of course not, Dean. But you all are safe here. I just want to make sure my buddies get to spend next Christmas with their little brothers. When Bruce said that, I realized that all those soldiers I saw enlisting today had families that felt the same way as mine. Or worse, like the parents we visited yesterday who lost their son. I still didn't want my brother to go, but at least I could understand why he was going. So, you think we can get home now? I got something I want to show you. Okay. Plus, we got to get that sign back to Kim's room before she knows it's missing because she'll murder you. <laughs> By the way, my plan to win the war in Vietnam did work. It just took another seven years. So, yeah, we see the end result of the observation deck for the treehouse, and it is gorgeous. It is beautiful. I love it. Any kid or grown adult would love that. So, yeah, they're standing in their pajamas Christmas Eve at night, looking up at the stars, and Bruce mentions Cassiopeia. He says, you can see that star up there from where I'm stationed in Vietnam. And I'm thinking, if this ends with something like we or could both be staring at the same star so that way I felt closer to my brother or something, that would just be cute. It would be beautiful. Bruce says, you know, when I'm over there in Vietnam and I see that Cassiopeia, that star up there, I'm oh, every night, I'm always thinking of you. Oh, my heart. And Bruce says, and you can think of me when you're staring at the star from here. And adult Dean says, I guess the word did change my brother. Yeah, he says, I guess the word did change my brother, but not, you know, he says in some ways, but not in the ways that I feared. But he says, but in the ways that really mattered. He is such a sweet older brother. So yeah, they're freezing their butts off that observation deck of the treehouse. And Dean's like, well, where is Santa? He's late. And of course, Bruce says, well, then he must really be black. <laughs> if he's late. How about that for a treehouse? How about that? place to sit and look at stars you know one of us had a telescope yeah yes <laughs> oh, you see that constellation right there that one's called Cassiopeia you can see it from where I'm stationed in Vietnam when I look up at it every night I always be thinking of you and you can think of me too when you see it from here I guess the war did change my brother, in some ways, but not in the ways I had feared. 
and not in the ways that really matter. He was still the kind of guy who would spend Christmas Eve freezing his butt off in the treehouse with his little brother. Where's Santa? He's late. Hmm. Maybe he really is blind. <laughs> if he's late. William's family Christmas. Yes, the gift that, uh... The gifts they had given him, Adult Dean tells us it's like those were all gifts that they bought him, but he had to be home to use them. Well, they thought he was home. I'm sure they'll send him some stuff to take with him. Oh, all the gifts, yeah, that they got in him are stuff that he had to use at home. And Adult Dean says that's how confident we were that we knew he'd be coming back. Bruce looks over at the red telescope. He's like, oh, I wonder what this could be. And Dean just spills the beans. He's like, it's a telescope. And Bruce says, really? Well, I thought it was a pair of socks. <laughs> so, yeah, Bruce says, well, you can take care of it while I'm away. And Dean's like, you mean I can use it? He's like, yeah! And of course, <coughs> Kim says, oh, Bruce, he told me the same thing. He asked me the same thing last year when he got me a black G.I. Joe. <laughs> what the whole thing about? Well, you you buy something that you wouldn't mind using for the... for You buy that for another person in hopes that you'll get a chance to use it. <laughs> like, I bet he'll like this, but I know I really like it. So I'm going to buy it for them and then ho- hope that I can play with, have fun with it, too. So, Lillian got a really beautiful purse, and Dean got some walkie-talkies. Oh, that'll be fun. Dean gets a couple more wrapped gifts and gives them to the family, and that's how the episode ends. Later, it occurred to me that we all gave Bruce gifts that he had to be home to use. That's how confident we were he'd be coming back. Now, I wonder what this could be. It's a telescope. I, I thought it was a pair of socks. <laughs> you think you can uh, keep an eye on it for me while I'm gone? Of course. Wait, I'm allowed to use it, right? Yes. <laughs> Don't feel bad, Bruce. He said the same thing to me last year when he bought me a black G.I. Joe. <laughs> You know, I thought this was a sweet episode, but again, I'm going to say, um, yeah, worst ep- outfit of the episode is, is going to Dean with that sweater vest and that cream white or white uh, turtleneck. Um, best outfit of the episode? I can't say that one really stood out above the rest, really. Um, Wonderling Words of Wisdom. You need to have patience for people that come back from the war. And yes, the saying goes that they don't always come back the same. Because, you know, experience over there has changed them. And honestly, don't ask about someone's experience, especially when it comes to war, unless they invite themselves to tell you, don't ask them. Because, for one, it's just, it's rude. For another thing, it's private. And it's just, that's got to be 
for them to tell you if they want to and when they're ready. But don't be making plans like, oh, you, we'll get you a job. We'll, you know, you should go to college and this and that. Like, less than 24 hours after he walks in the door. Like, no, no, no. You don't know what his own plans are. And being he's a grown man and everything, he has the right to make or break any plans that he makes. So, yeah, like I said, I, I wanted a little more. I wanted to, it says that he struggles to fit in. You know, re-entering society and everything after being back from the war. I guess, I don't know. I guess maybe I was expecting something similar to Warp. But then again, they're two different people. Two different characters. So, I mean, it just felt slightly tame compared to the other. Again, I shouldn't be comparing both shows, but it's hard not to. When they're both called the Wonder Years, they're both set during the same time, even though they're in different states. Oh my goodness. I just... I don't know. I just, I wish it could have... There are so many different ways they could have done this. They could have kept some of this, but they could have showed some other ways, you know, that people suffer. I mean, the examples, that TV movie... The boys were talking about, and then also Corey mentioning, you know, his mom's cousin coming back from Vietnam and then having um, a drug issue as a way to cope with his time over there in Vietnam and everything. I just, I didn't want to see that with Bruce, but I just felt like I, I wanted more. I wanted more emotion. I wanted more than just what we were seeing on screen and it just feels like a, we don't know went on what went on in that interview that would have been interesting to see but yeah all right so let's talk about the episode i'm going to be covering next week which is season one episode eight yes i'm going backwards talking about science fair which aired november 17th 2021 after seeing Dean bullied by Michael, excuse me, sorry about the yawn. After seeing Dean bullied by Michael, Lillian confronts his parents. Lillian helps Michael with his science project. Okay, so here's another synopsis. Seeing Michael bullying Dean after school, Lillian goes to confront his parents and learns that he needs more compassion than discipline. Much to Dean's dismay, she takes Michael under her wing and helps him with his project for the science fair, an event where Dean typically excels. Alright, so I'm going to be playing a clip from season six of The Wonder Years called Homecoming, where Wayne's friend Wart comes back from Vietnam. like you lost your clothes. I know. 
nothing seems to fit anymore. They say men are children, but sometimes children are men. Maybe that's where the confusion lies. All I knew was, that night, the world seemed suddenly very big, and I felt very small. Alright, the next clip I'm going to play is from The Wonder Years, Season 2, Episode 3, Christmas. It's towards the very end with adult Kevin narrating about how he doesn't remember what he got for Christmas that year. But how his dad got, you know, Jack got Norma a bracelet that really knocked her socks off. And yeah, dad got us that color TV like two years later. Which there is some inconsistencies in the narration because if we remember in season two when Kevin and Paul and Carla and Becky are downstairs watching Star Trek they are indeed watching it in color so but then again it's like sometimes as an adult you think you remember something a certain way only to find out it happened completely differently that year but dad gave mom a bracelet that knocked her socks off oh yeah and he did get us that color tv two years later oh we can eat them off the floor <laughs> for me that year christmas stopped being about tinsel and wrapping paper and started being about memory at first that was disappointing until I learned that memory is a way of holding on to the things you love, the things you are, the things you wish to never lose. And I learned from Winnie that in a world that changes too fast, the best we can do is wish each other Merry Christmas. And good luck. Alright, so I, yes, I know there are season 4, season 5, and 6 Christmas episodes, but I want to hold off on playing any clips of those. And let's just, you know, hope we get a season 2, 3, and 4 of the, of the new Wonder Years with some Christmas episodes thrown in. And we'll, we'll table that. We'll save them for that. So that's the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you all have a wonderful Oh, I'm getting choked up. Have a wonderful Merry Christmas, Happy Holiday. Just honestly, 
I'm oh, I want to go into 2022 with 98% positivity and 2% semi reserved negativity. So let's hope for good, some good things, right? All right. To email the podcast, you can do so at lbomwonderyearspodcast at gmail.com. I did change the name on the Instagram account for the podcast. It's now the Wonder Years Podcast. Just simple, simple. I put a picture of the cover art for the Wonder Years Podcast. Looking back at my Wonder Years and Wonder Years Podcast. And also underneath that is the new Wonder Years that I'm coming looking. So the next... Yeah, the next looking back on my Wonder Years and Wonder Years podcasts for the new show. So, all right, everybody. Bye-bye.